Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. And we say it all the time that your brand is the foundation for all marketing and communications. And this is no different when you're constructing sales stories to convince a retailer or distributor or a B2B client to choose you or give you shelf space or stock you or promote you. But because the sales story is so highly nuanced by who you are actually selling to, we're actually going to switch this up a little bit and take a slightly different approach than usual and actually break down four different types of sales stories and what you need to consider in each. But before we jump in and do that, we often, like you know, take a minute to define what we're talking about. So sales stories really specifically are the pitch in some sort of formal or informal presentation, depending on your audience, that you're making to a buyer to get them to choose you. And Anne just outlined various situations where these occur, and they can take on many different forms depending on who the buyer is. And we'll get into that more with the episode, but we feel like we just want to ground everybody so that we all understand what we're talking about when we say sales stories. Yep, that's great grounding. All right, so let's jump into translating your brand into compelling sales stories. So the first sales story we're going to talk about is securing space on the shelf or on the floor of a retailer. And for this sales story, you need to consider two things. You need to consider, first, your consumer as a shopper, and then you need to consider the needs of the retailer. All right, so in the product world, you spend, or you should spend, if you're listening to this podcast regularly, a lot of time developing your consumer profile. But there is a new filter in your sales stories that you absolutely have to consider, and that is the translation of your consumer into a customer. So usually we talk about consumer and customer being those being interchangeable, but we want to get very specific on actually in this context, there are two different profiles that you need to consider. So whether it's brick and mortar store, an online store, or through a sales rep, these retailers' number one concern is offering products and services their customer will uniquely come to them for and buy. So these are people coming into the store, people shopping online. That's their customer. So it's essential that your sales stories represent your brand in a way that promotes why you're a good bet from a consumer and a customer standpoint. So as you're defining your consumer, we've talked to you about defining them both in a demographic and a psychographic way. And there's a podcast episode we actually just did several weeks ago about this. It's with Jennifer Canopel from NASCAR. So that's a really good one to listen to to, in order to understand both the demographic and the psychographic profile in more detail. But a big part of the psychographic profile is your consumer's shopping behavior. For example, are they a list maker? Are they a browser? Are they a replenisher? Meaning, do they get the same thing when that when it's gone or worn out? Do they do online research and order there? I mean, there's just so many ways to shop. And actually, the act of shopping can change your typical consumer behavior depending on what has happened to be going on in that environment. For example, if your your consumer happens to be more of a customer that goes and buys something when they're just trying to replenish it, but they see something on the store shelf that's a little bit interesting, that might get their attention and they might decide, hey, 
I might try to consider that. So it can flex too, depending on what's available in the context around them. And actually, I'll jump in and give a tight example here from oh. my experience working on laundry detergent on the agency side. And that is really specifically, this one has always stuck with me. So we would have consumers say that they were Tide loyalists. And mm-hmm. then we would go shopping with them and they would pick up the Pyrex because it was the cheapest on the end cap option. And not even realize that they had just told us that they were Tide Loyalists. So that's the example of being different when you're a consumer versus a customer or shopper. Yeah, I mean, that happens all the time, too, when we did consumer research. They say, oh, I only use Tide, and there's like five different laundry detergents. Oh, you mean, (laughs) but I only use this one for, like, socks. And I use this one, but I use Tide most of the time. So, yes, that's a very (laughs) excellent point. And And that really goes to the next point, that there's also behaviors when shopping. So your consumer may be a ingredient or product description reader. They like to read all those labels. They may be a new product junkie. They might like to comparison shop on prices. They may be couponers. There might be those who are swayed by power claims. You really, really need to consider what influences your consumer's shopping behavior. This is totally key. And it, it is critical to dimensionalize this shopping style behavior of your target consumer because that is what is going to shape or how you position your story to make the most compelling case as to why a retail shopper will want you. And really to make the case that your shopper or their shopper and your consumer are actually one in the same person. Okay. So for example, I'll give my example now. When I was uh, going to be a new mom, which was quite a bit of time ago. So that was like, you know, almost approaching 18 years now. Um, I was doing a ton of research before choosing anything. And it took me actually three tries walking into Babies or Us before I was even able to start a registry because it was just so overwhelming about what I should buy, how much I needed everything. Do I really need all this stuff? The only thing that actually saved me was a preferred products list, if you will, from other moms. And because that influencers didn't really exist that much when I was um, Mm -hmm. my new mom. That was actually real moms that I actually knew. But right now, you know, influencer moms are also really, really important in in that consideration of building those lists. But knowing how I felt when I was becoming a new mom, you better believe that if I was launching a product for new moms, my sales story would be focused, hyper-focused on how I'm getting extensive endorsements from new moms everywhere which is going to make me an easy choice for that overwhelmed new mom. So you really need to consider that shopping behavior in the context of your consumer and what is going on with them. Yeah, and I have to echo, I mean, even though influencers were around when I became a mom, I still went and got everybody's favorite product from everyone I knew. Oh, yeah. And then made my list that way. So I think that happens all the time. All right. So in addition, we've talked a lot already about the shopper and what happens when they're, you know, actually shopping and buying things. But the other thing you need to consider outside of the end consumer is the retailer's needs. And so I'll give you an example of this. So for Walmart, and really it's all retailers, they want SKUs that no other retailer has, hoping that people will come specifically to their store for that. And so what you're looking to do is, can you offer them first that unique SKU? And then because of the way that Walmart works, they expect something to turn really quickly. So they want to know, what is your repeat rate for consumers? Will their shopping behavior support that rapid repeat? 
repeat rate. Say that three times fast, especially versus other products in the same category. And so they'll, they're going to want data as part of your sales story that very specifically shows them that you understand their business model and that you can deliver on what they're looking for. And I can tell you from working in packaging for many years, mm-hmm. we ran into this all of the time where, you know, we would have different SKUs of diapers, for example, for Walmart versus for Target, the designs would be different, you Mm -hmm. know, all of that kind of stuff. And so it definitely is, it can be as simple as a packaging change, which to the mom reference can sometimes drive moms crazy because the the diapers all look different when you get them in your house. But from a retailer point of view, they want something that is very unique to them that then also follows their business model and their expectations. And then a really innovative, cool example that Anne and I both love is um, in talking about Sarah Blakely, who is the inventor of Spanx. So she wanted to get her product out there. It was brand new. It's extremely hard, obviously, to get shelf space in any of these stores as a brand new product with none of the proof points that we were talking about before. So she would go and do in-store demos, and she'd pay her friends to come in and ask about the product and create kind of a crowd while she got the attention of other shoppers who would come over and then kind of create that buzz because she knew that the department stores were looking for whether her product would not only sell, but then also attract other shoppers and, again, have enough of a buzz for people to want to come back and buy them again, refer their friends, all of those different things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a really good story because it totally emphasizes the importance of really knowing what the retailer is looking for. And then even if you have to kind of contrive it and create it in order Mm -hmm. to first generate that traction, you sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. But you first have to start with, okay, what is the shopping behavior? She knew that those consumers and those shoppers were going to do that um, because that's how people flock kind of in department stores. Like, hey, what's going on? What's going on here? And then she knew that that would get the attention. So think about those two things. That's really critically important. Still need help in growing your marketing smarts? Contact us through our website, forthright-people.com. We can help you become a savvier marketer through coaching or training you and your team or doing the work on your behalf. Please also help us grow the podcast by rating and reviewing on your player of choice and sharing with at least one person. Now, go show off your marketing smarts.